0: A census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with
1: some father beans and a nice candy. You, 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 choose me?
0: I choose violence. Come on, let's get in the character. <laughs> 13 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Ray. but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. We are here broadcasting live from Magenta... Well, it's live for us, not live for you. From uh, Magenta Manor, of, of the uh, deep inside Magenta Manor in the Pat Cave. We are brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee and the Dorkening Podcast Network. And I am, of course, not by myself. That's why I said we, because I am not British. I don't use the royal we. We... Uh, I, I had have to take Nintendo. a royal Wii. I have a Nintendo <laughs> Wii. But, uh, no, I am joined, as you can tell, by my co-host on the show, my co-host in life. She is the Baroness of Bordeaux, the Countess of Cabernet, the Queen Regent of Rosé, the Mistress of Merlot, the Viscount of Vignoles, the Princess of Prosecco, the... Uh, yeah, I can't think of any other ones, but I'm sure I could if I... Though. Sultan of Sangria. That's a new one. I haven't done that one yet. The uh, Michael Phelps of Wine, the Queen of the Monsters, the Real Housewife of Transylvania, and an honorary Lizzie, which will kind of tie into a little bit of what we're talking about today Ashes Von Nightmare. Hello. You know, I've heard that uh, a lot of people put you up on a pedestal. (laughs) (laughs) So. Ashes, if, if you listen to the show, sometimes you'll notice that ashes will use words or phrases that seem just slightly out of place. And so we were talking today, and she used that term, and she was like, shouldn't put them on a pedestal. They're on, you know, they think they're up on a pedestal, but they're on a tricycle. And I was like, I am not understanding your metaphor And she was, like, being really passionate about it, and she was very confident, and I'm, like, I'm, like, trying every possible combination of those words, and I'm, like, I'm not getting your... She's, like, yeah, you know, like, instead of a pedestal, a tricycle, and I'm, like, I really don't understand what the hell you're talking about right now. She thought that one of those old-timey bikes with the big tire in the in the front and the little tire in the back was called a pedestal. I don't know why. I've never heard anyone call it that. She's never heard anyone call it that. She just assumed that's what it's called. And so to her, I think I'm on a pedestal means I think I'm on a big bike, but I'm really <laughs> on a tricycle. Like, I didn't – I was – we were in the car pedal. Googling shit. <laughs>
1: Because it's called a pedestal and pedestal pedal, like bike pedals. I don't know. I, just, I thought I thought I thought it was a thing. And I this thought is, it was the thing. And, and this it is was five not the minutes. Thing.
0: And this is five minutes after she's like, I couldn't believe it. They went from zero to three sixty like that. And I'm like, <laughs> if you go to three sixty, you. St- come back around to where you started from. So you went from 0 to 0. Like, did you mean 0 to 60? No, maybe like 0 to 180. I'm like, the phrase is 0 to 60. It's it's like using a, the metaphor of a car to indicate like how quickly someone gets angry or shifts their mood. Like... Like you're kind of mixing metaphors like, oh, they you know, their mood changes hundred and eighty degrees. Like you go from like, Oh, I'm happy to Oh my god, I'm angry or Oh I'm angry, oh I'm happy, you know, like manic depression. Okay, but, but
1: I, I fully knew what I was talking about. So no, the fact that you you maybe maybe you just need to get on my level.
0: If you take four of these pills, that yellow gateway over there opens up and <laughs> do you wanna go visit the dwarf man with me in the gateway? Like you might know what you're talking about. Everything she takes is prescription. It's just hard to find the right doctors. But uh, today we are going to be uh, discussing the most recent installment. Dr.
1: McGillicuddy's.
0: Yeah, you you have had, <laughs> clearly have had deep philosophical conversations with Dr. McGillicuddy at work because uh, the ride home was an adventure. Um no, we're going to be discussing the fourth installment of the John Wick franchise. We have touched uh, a little bit on well, who John Wick is not in the past. Not just the
1: fourth, so we're going to kind of revisit the first three. Right, and
0: kind of you know expand on the mythology right, that we've gotten right. to see a little bit more of. Uh, we have a final kill count for, uh, for, for John Wick for the uh, first four films. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Lance Reddick, and we're going to be talking about uh, the... TV series, The Continental, as well as Ballerina, which will be coming out next year. Uh, so the two spin offs and the potential possibility for a fifth John Wick film, uh, either with or with not uh, Keanu Reeves. With or with not? With or with not. Yes. But
1: pedestal.
0: With not. With not Keanu Reeves. It could be with someone else. And um, don't give me that look. I don't think the camera picked that up. I've been uh, battling a little bit of intestinal distress during the day, and I guess we'll find out, because I'm not going back to edit this, so <laughs> we'll find out if anybody uh... see, now people are going to rewind it and listen to see if they heard anything. Um, so We wanted to start this off by talking a little bit about some of our favorite action franchises. And we were actually discussing this on the way into work this morning, uh, heading to the lab, because there are a lot that you haven't seen that I'm like, oh, you need to see this. And then we started getting to a little bit of a philosophical discussion on, like, what is action and, like, what is what's considered action? It's like, is Star Wars considered action? And I think that's more of like a space Western myself because everything's based off of samurai movies and western movies are based off of samurai and like we literally have desert planets and guys having shootouts in some of the star wars stuff like we saw at the uh end of the book of boba fett you know guys having shootouts under the twin sons of tatooine but uh what are some of your uh
1: so I didn't just go with franchises. I just stuck with action films in general because, yeah. to be completely honest, I haven't seen enough action franchises. Well, there's also a lot to of... make a fair assumption. You know, to, to... assessment. Yeah, that's well, there's word. also
0: there's also you know several uh, one off movie like you know Commando is a one off, um, Cobra is a one off, but still a, a highly regarded action film. So. You know there's a lot of these like action jackson films and i which i haven't seen but uh
1: so one franchise that is on my list because i have seen all of these films thus far is john wick i love these movies and if they continue to make them and all of these spin-offs, I will gladly jump back into this world and absorb as much of it as possible. I just think it's so much fun.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of really cool characters like the the mythology is uh, pretty wild. I mean... It seems like there are more assassins than there should be, as we saw from the end of John Wick 2 and the beginning of John Wick 3. Well,
1: I mean, I do kind of like the fact that there are, like, these assassin clubs.
0: Yes, but, like, like I said, like, just in New York, like,
1: like he walks
0: through the train station and there's, like, 400 people that are... That are assassins and
1: the Continental, like all the different Continental the hotels, Continental's
0: all over all over the, the world. Yep,
1: you know we get to um, see
0: the Continental Osaka in this one, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. And you know it's becoming, uh, to kind of speak of the uh, some of the um, uh, action franchises, it's kind of turning into the Expendables. When it comes to martial arts, I mean, just in this film alone, we got Donnie Yen uh, as Kane. We got uh, Hiroyuki Sanada, who I fucking love, uh, who we last saw in Bullet Train, Mm -hmm. but we also saw in uh, Lost, uh, Endgame, um, Mortal Kombat, like... I love Hero Sonata. He's so good. He's so awesome. Um, and then we saw Scott Adkins in a fat suit, which is kind of a tie-in to uh, Donnie Yen is in a film. And if you're not familiar with Donnie Yen, check out the Ip Man series. Also, if you saw Rogue One, he plays, uh, not Baze Malbus. Oh, my God. Why can't I think of his name? He's like one of my favorite characters, too. Uh Oh, now uh, i Imwe. it Imway. Sorry, I knew I was I was forgetting. And this is going to come out on May the 4th. And had we planned it, we probably would have done a Star Wars episode now that I'm thinking about it. But everybody's going to be doing Star Wars episodes. Nobody's doing a John Star Wick episode. Star
1: Wars.
0: Uh, yeah, we have Randy Newman Star doing Wars. the theme song. That's a terrible Randy Space Newman.
1: Space is the place for Star Wars. <laughs> That's <was> terrible.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That was, like, the worst Randy Newman I've ever heard. Space is the place for Star Wars. Yeah, that's exactly what I did. That's
1: exactly what I sounded like. I don't know what you uh, heard.
0: So Donnie Yen was in a film called Enter the Fat Dragon, where he wore a fat suit, and, like, he's a phenomenal martial artist. Um, but uh, getting to see all these different... Uh, Different, like if you see the film when you see Scott Adkins in his fat suit playing like a big fat German hitman, like he's super fucking like he kicks mm. the shit out of John Wick yeah. for a while.
1: Yeah, it was uh, almost a little off-putting because you wouldn't necessarily s- uh, suspect if you don't know that. if
0: you don't know who Scott Adkins. Scott Adkins is, and you see this movie, and you're like, "Holy shit! Why is this fat guy beating the shit out of John Wick? Like, what the fuck?" Scott Adkins actually, they brought him in in one of the last uh, one of the last Universal Soldier films, but he's in a ton of stuff. He actually was also in Ip Man uh, four with Donnie Yen. He fights Donnie Yen uh, at the end of that, but. Yeah, the uh the Expendables is one of my favorite uh, uh action action uh franchises because it just takes all these guys and like kind of pits them against each other and it really leans into um the tropes and stuff from all the different movies. Like there's a scene I think in the second one where there's a big shootout at an airport. And Arnold Schwarzenegger's like, you wait here, I'll be back. And Bruce Willis is like, you've been back enough. I'll be back. And, like, he goes and does stuff. And then, like, you know, there's a scene where everybody's pinned down by, like, you know, tanks and, like, dozens of, of, of soldiers. And all of a sudden, they all get killed. And, like, Chuck Norris comes strolling down the street and he had taken everybody out. Uh, and that was, the, that was the second one. And... Uh, Van Dam played the bad guy, and his name was Vilain, so villain. With, but they just kind of pronounced it kind of Frenchish. It's like it's so good. Like even like stuff that happens in real life. Like they really lean into Dolph Lundgren's background in biochemistry. Like, oh, really? Yeah, like because they're trapped, and he's like, oh, well, if we do this and mix this stuff together and do that, like he's like writing out these long, complicated, like, formulas and, and, like, ingredients, like how to break out and, like, using the physics and shit, like, to get out of this cave that they're trapped in. Like, it's wild. Wesley Snipes in the third one references his tax problems. Mm. Um, But it's, like, it's Stallone, it's Statham, Jet Li, Dolph Lundgren, Mickey Rourke, uh, Schwarzenegger, Kelsey Grammer for some reason, Bruce Willis. Um trying to think like I said, Chuck Norris, Terry Crews, Randy Couture, uh 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 Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh St- Steve Austin actually broke Stallone's neck filming the first one, uh, giving him a, a like a pile driver or something. Like they fucked up. Stallone is known for like in the Rocky franchise, he's like, Yeah, we should hit each other for real. Like He did that in the fourth one, and Dolph Lundgren hit him so hard he put him in the hospital with an irregular heartbeat. Like, he reset his fucking cardiac rhythm punching him in the chest. So it's like, maybe don't do that type of shit so much. But, like, it's real. Like, it's every action star. Uh, Liam Hemsworth is in uh, one of them. Oh, really? Not Chris or Luke. Liam. Um, So, like. Then there's a fourth one coming out later this year, so I'm excited to see who they bring. I'm hoping, like, Jackie Chan, you know, guys like that. Um, so that's one. That's one that I think is, is underrated, underrated, kind of under the radar, but it's basically just, like, testosterone the movie. Because uh, there's, like, just explosions and, and, you know, guns and punching. Eric Roberts is the bad guy in the first one. Like, it's it's every 80s movie like if you grew up watching these guys like this is what their movies are like and I think it all comes back to and we mentioned this in our Rambo episode where he says he's expendable and uh his 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 lady friend was like what mean expendable and he's like you know if you go get invited to a party it doesn't matter if you show up or not you know That's expendable. Then at the end, when she's dying, she's like, Rambo, you're not expendable. And then he goes on a murder spree, as you do. And that's pretty much what these movies are. So I'm going to go with that to start off. But I did also mention the Ip Man franchise, which is one I think you need to see. Mm. In the third one, he fights Mike Tyson. It's fucking amazing, and I loved it. Uh, so
1: see, I, I do find myself really enjoying Donnie Yen's work. What I've seen thus far, so I, I really feel like I need so to check this out. So it's basically just
0: this and Star Wars.
1: He's done. A... I feel like I've watched something else with him in it.
0: We'd have to look it up, but I know you like. I, I... You've gotten to see a bit of him in Star Wars and in this, obviously. Um...
1: Uh, but next on my list is The Matrix.
0: Yep, and that's one that we we covered. Obviously, all yeah. four of those. Um,
1: really loved the first one, and the action in the first one is I, I thought was fantastic.
0: It's revolutionary. I
1: mean, yeah, I mean the action f- throughout all of them, for the most part, is just I they really kind of broke the mold as far as action sequences go.
0: Yeah, like the first time that they did. Uh the 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 filming for Bullet Time, where they had all the cameras lined up on the green screen, so you could see like that three hundred and sixty degree view. Oh, I remember seeing it in the theater in nineteen ninety nine, and I thought. See, was, I
1: I wish I had seen these in the theater. Well, I was because eighteen, I feel so I like I feel like it was would have been a, a really good time.
0: I even saw the third. I didn't see the second one in the theater, but I saw the third one. And I remember going to see Dreamcatcher in the theater. Like, I had gotten to the theater, and I didn't know what I wanted to see. Because it was just me. I was going by myself for my birthday, because, you know, I didn't have a lot of friends that wanted to hang out with me on my birthday. So I was like, I'm going to go see a movie by myself. And I didn't know what I wanted to see, but I knew everything was starting around the same time. And when I got there, I was going to see either, uh, like, Tears of the Sun or something with Bruce Willis, The Core which we have watched, and that's a lot of fun. Like, it's scientific mumbo-jumbo nonsense, but, like, the cast in it is amazing. Like, you've got all these, you know, Hilary Swank and Delroy Lindo and Aaron Eckhart and the Tooch.
1: The like, Tooch!
0: Like, such a good cast.
1: Love Stanley um, Toochie.
0: Or Dreamcatcher, and I ended up going to see Dreamcatcher because it had a preview, uh, The Final Flight of the Osiris, which is kind of like a, uh, almost like a, not like a trailer, but like a little continuity thing between the second and the third movies. So um, I I like the Matrix, too. I own the, the digital video discs, like a special edition thing with the Animatrix and everything. Um, another really good action franchise that I think... Has flown under the radar, but is again getting a fourth film this year. Uh, is the Beverly Hills Cop franchise? It's, uh, it's got a, a really good mix of humor and action. Uh, Eddie Murphy's really funny. Um, the bad guy, I can't remember his name for the life of me. I always want to call him Rutger Hauer, and it's not Rutger Hauer. Uh, or maybe it is. I don't know. Let me look it up while I'm doing this. But he, uh, he's also the bad guy from Rambo 2 but the thing that I always noticed even when I was a kid about this one is that you know that uh, nobody's doing their own stunts because the guys just don't look all right, Steven Burkoff is his name Played Victor Maitland. Um, they don't make it even like remotely like this could be Eddie Murphy doing this this stunt. There's a scene where he like flips a guy uh, at a restaurant, and he like flips him into a table covered with food, and they cut from like him pushing the guy to like a completely different black dude who doesn't even have remotely the same body size, mustache, or haircut. They're just wearing the same outfit. Uh, flipping them over and, like, smashing them. It's like, that's not close to... It's as bad as Spaceballs when he's like, you've captured their stunt doubles. <laughs> like, where it's like, if you don't look at them, like, okay, yeah, that could be them. Like, you see him from behind. But, like, when you see them face on, it's like, yeah, there's no... Like, the guy looks more like Richard Pryor than... Uh, than Eddie Murphy. But that's one... Uh, I mean, the second one has Brigitte Nielsen. Uh, Bronson Pinchot features uh, very prominently in the first and third installments. Judge Reinhold's in all of them. Um, who's the guy... Ah, Jesus. I just, like, karate-chopped ashes. Oh, Fucking... Uh, Chromebook off the table That's here. okay, I don't need it. I caught it, though, just like I caught the pizza yesterday, and that pizza was incredibly hot. Uh, yeah, we had a pizza in a pan, and the pan started slipping off the stove, and I went to catch it, because that's what you do, and it was very hot. Um, He's the, the concierge from American Dad in that one episode.
1: Oh, oh yeah, that, that one episode.
0: But he's the same concierge from... Pretty Woman. Um,
1: oh, um, Hector, Hector Elizondo. Elizondo.
0: Yeah. I believe that's him in the third one. Uh, he plays one of the cops. It's it's a lot of fun. It's If you haven't seen Beverly Hills Cop, do yourself a favor and check that one out as well. Uh, they all came out, I think the first one came out in like 1984. Um, it, was, it, was, it was good. It was, uh, not so grounded in reality like there's definitely like it's definitely a typical 80's cop movie but uh, yeah they're supposed to be coming out with another one later this year so you know you can expect to uh, see an episode on Axel Foley or as uh, Bronson Pinchot Pinchot couldn't say his name he's like Achmel Achmel he's like Axel Mr. Foley and his name is Serge but Axel calls him Serge He's like, sir, sounds like a detergent. Like, it's super funny. Uh, But uh, what's your next one?
1: Uh, So I don't necessarily know if this counts as a franchise because there are only two films. Uh, But Kill Bill volumes one and two. I, I I wouldn't
0: count it as a franchise. Like I would, I honestly just count that as one film that they broke up into two pieces. Like it's, it's one long story.
1: I mean, it is, but it's two films.
0: I know, but it really, given some of Tarantino's other stuff, it's about yeah. the length of one of, like...
1: But, okay, but still, like I said, I'm No, no, I'm they taking... did break
0: it up into two films, but it's that one revenge story.
1: Right. But anyways, I love the fact that it's female-driven.
0: The Deadly Viper Assassination Squad.
1: Exactly. Which, and it's so good. And Uma Thurman as the bride, Beatrix Kiddo, is just so good. So we need to do an episode on her.
0: And Beatrix Kiddo is featured in uh, Bro Force. She is the broad. So everybody's got That's like. That's lame. Well, everybody's got like some sort of bro thing, like. Ram I mean,
1: she could have been Beatrix Kid Bro.
0: Which is not any better. I
1: mean, it's better than The Bro.
0: Well, the way they say it is The Brode. It's like mm, Ellen Rip Bro, Brobo Cop.
1: Okay, that's a good one. That, that works.
0: Blade is Brode.
1: See, like that doesn't, right? it doesn't Terrible. work. It doesn't work.
0: And I remember playing this game the first time. And it looks like an 8-bit thing, but it's like this 8-bit platformer on PlayStation 4. And I remember, like, because you can play as Keanu Reeves from The Matrix. And they're like, Mr. Anderbro. I'm like, Mr. Anderbro, why don't they call him Kneebro? Oh, that's <laughs> why. That's why. Okay. Anderbro it is. Uh, there's the brodider not good at all. Wow. Bro Guyver?
1: I, I mean that okay, that that's not as terrible as some of the other ones you just said. Ellen
0: Ripbro is probably the worst one. Bruce Lee?
1: Uh, again, that's I actually, think actually, that's, that's not terrible.
0: I might be wrong on that one, but I think that's, that's his terrible. name. Terrible. Uh BA Bro from uh the A team. Um I forget what Snake Pliskin's name is but it's something awful too like they just stick bro in everything um but if you get the chance it's really fun like you you are literally fighting Satan at the end like you punch Satan and then like uh at the end of the game you you uh you stand there it's like press X to pay your respects and you piss all over the grave as Rambro. so yeah it's I don't know. It's it's like the expendables of video games where it's just like, let's throw every action person we can possibly think of, give them all special attacks, but also like, you know, everybody's bro. so it's like super testosterone fueled. It's a lot of fun, but yeah, we definitely need to do uh, an episode on Beatrix Kiddo. Um, fun fact... I'm trying to exactly remember like how it correlates, but in Pulp Fiction, Mia Wallace, Uma Thurman's character, mm-hmm. is telling uh, John Travolta about the time she was in a pilot, and she was supposed to be the uh, TV pilot, and she was supposed to be uh, a member of this five woman. Uh, assassination Squad. Everybody had like their own little quirks, and she was the deadliest woman in the world with a knife. So basically, explaining the plot of Kill Bill or like the background because it's uh it was Vernita Green, Oren Ishii, uh I forget what Daryl Hannah's character's name is, her and. Because of the Deadly Viper Assassination Squad, they all had snake names, and Bill was the Snake Charmer. So it was like Charlie's Angels, but assassins. Mm-hmm. So I, I, yeah, that's one I haven't watched in a long time, and I feel like we should definitely do an episode on that. Um, I'm also gonna throw out another one that I think we should watch because it's it's one that's near and dear to me, and the third one is the best one of the now nine in the series. Uh, I'm, of course, talking about Rocky. I don't technically consider Rocky to be, like, I consider it more of, like, a sports film than uh, an action film because there's a lot of, like, interpersonal drama that goes on, uh, especially in the first one and the third one. But now that there's nine of them, and Stallone's, Stallone wrote and directed most of them. Uh, up until Creed 3, because I count Creed 1 and 2 as part of it, because it's almost like a spinoff, because Rocky Balboa is part, like a main part of both of those first two entries, um, but one I think that you might like, and again, the seventh and eighth uh, installments of this franchise are coming out this year, the increasingly inaccurately named Mission Impossible series. I recently watched all six of these for the first time uh, over the last month, and they're really good. The only one that I kind of had an issue with was uh, the second one, which came out in two thousand. Like I guess the first one came out in nineteen ninety six, so this is an almost thirty year franchise. <laughs> um, but like it's it's aggressively like two thousands like it's everything you remember from two like the theme song is by limp biscuit like it's ridiculous
1: Mm.
0: um i like most of them uh like i liked five out of the six of them that was it was a really good series and i definitely think that uh you would enjoy them because it's not just like oh let me do some wacky stuff like it's it's legitimately entertaining, and, like, there are good plot points and uh, really good acting. I mean, you had Philip Seymour Hoffman. You have Ving Rhames. Uh, at one point, you have Anthony Hopkins in there. Um, you've got, you know, obviously Tom Cruise and uh, who the hell else is on the team? Jeremy Renner for a little bit. Um, Gray Scott. Um uh, what's his name? Simon Pegg. Mm. Like a lot of a lot of really fun uh characters and like a lot of uh Henry Cavill also. I just hit the computer again, but this time Will I you just pushed it. Stop
1: talking with your hands, I please. I can't.
0: I'm very excited uh about this. So, what's another one do you have? Another one on your list?
1: Well, so I have one more on my list okay. and I'm going to stand by this regardless of our conversation earlier. Star Wars. One in particular, though, really stands out because i was I was going back and I was thinking of of you know, the original trilogy and the, the original trilogy you know the the, the, the uh, episodes one through three, and then the most recent episodes uh, seven, eight, and nine. But then also the companion films. And I think there's one film in particular. That could really that, that really fits the mold of an action film. That that it doesn't feel like a Western, like you were saying, because it does at times, you know, Star Wars, yes, is definitely a space western. Especially Book of Boba Fett, Mandalorian, what have you. Um, Rogue One. I was
0: gonna say Rouge One.
1: Rogue One. Tell yeah, me that's not said. an action film.
0: No, it definitely is. It's uh it's a heist movie. It's um it's similar to to, like what I was just talking about. it's very but, I mean, similar to a mission impossible yeah exactly
1: and they well, I mean, it's kind of that's kind of what it is it's a it's an impossible mission that they managed to succeed at but yeah they only they all die is, I was
0: gonna say the only difference is <laughs> they all die. You know, their impossible mission was impossible um the mission impossible that we see in all these movies is like oh this is an impossible mission ah that's all right we'll pull off six seven eight of them
1: but I mean Thinking of Rogue One, that final action scene.
0: That whole scene with the, the with Rogue Squadron going in, um with them transferring the, the data tapes, like that's you know, honestly, that's one that I have to watch. If I don't watch all of them each year, uh, what I like to do is, you know, I like to watch them all in order. But now there's way too much stuff. It's like when do I watch the Mandalorian? When do I watch Book of Book, when do I watch Andor? That's something we have to cover too. We haven't watched it yet, but 100%. Yeah, like it's a spy movie. It's a. It's a. It's a. Uh, you know, like like I was saying.
1: I mean, the scenes. Well, the scenes with Donnie Yen alone. As guess, as the blind Jedi Chirut Imwe.
0: And he's blind in.
1: And yeah, and Wick. he's blind in John Wick, too. Um, but, yeah, just the scenes with him alone and the way that he's able to, I mean, obviously, Donnie Yen is a just so incredibly talented, trained okay. martial artist. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, that final scene especially, not final scene, but that final, like, action sequence. The
0: Battle of Scarif that's what it is the the battle of Scarif like that
1: which is I mean we went to see that in the theater oh yeah and uh, it's honestly up there with the best Star Wars films I
0: get Misty every time with Chirrut and then with Bayes Malvis going, the, I'm one with the force, the force is with me. I'm one with oh I all mean, my fucking God I'm, every time.
1: I'm, I'm gonna go up there and say, I mean, I, I've, in my opinion, the best Star Wars film is Empire. Yeah. Which I just, I just feel like that's correct. And that's kind of a universal thing. Rogue One, number two.
0: Yeah, I-, I, I Rogue
1: One, number two. That, for, for me anyways, Empire, Rogue One.
0: Yeah, because Empire is the first one where it's like, holy shit, the bad guys won. Like the good guys didn't win. What's going to happen with Han? We have no idea what's going to go, go on next. Like, yeah, like there. That's, hundred uh, percent. So I'm gonna wrap with, uh, one that another one that I just watched. All of them for the first time.
1: The Fast and the Furious. No,
0: I've. <laughs> I'm struggling you know, to get through and that.
1: Here's the thing. I've
0: watched two of them.
1: Our opinions are just that. Our opinions, our thoughts on things. Yeah, if you, if like, you stuff like something. Or you
0: don't like what we're talking about. You know, about. like
1: I'm not out here to yuck your yum yeah. you know whatever brings you joy whatever you find fun whatever you find entertaining you know have at it that's why they make all these different flavors like i'm, I'm not here that's why they make chocolate to, and vanilla right yeah. i'm not here to rain on your parade you know so and I mean, I'm also, we have our opinions about things you know but at the same time i mean i'm sure there are things that we love that you're just like Ugh, they're talking about this why oh, we
0: don't believe in uh guilty pleasure movies because you're going to like what you're going to like. Not everybody's going to like the same stuff. You should not feel guilty
1: about liking something.
0: Nope. As long as it doesn't hurt anybody. uh, Have at it, Haas.
1: Or if it does, as long as it's consensual.
0: Yes. Uh, So, yeah. So let's take a quick break because this went a little longer than I thought it was going to go. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about John Wick, uh, the larger universe around him, what might be coming next uh, some of the spin-offs and his real motivation throughout this entire series. Uh, we'll be right back. Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. course, was the uh, beginning of the John Wick theme, which is several minutes long, but I didn't want to put several minutes of music in, in in between everything, so you only got about a minute of it. But it's a really good theme, and they use it over and over again, although in the first movie they use a lot of uh, uh, Killing Strangers by uh, Marilyn Manson, which is uh, uh, absent in the rest of the film series for uh, obvious reasons. So... If you have not uh, seen the John Wick franchise or you are uh, just somebody who hasn't watched them in a while, we're going to get you caught up real quick on uh, who John Wick is and, uh, you know, where where uh, he's at coming into this fourth installment. So John Wick was a highly trained assassin uh, who was taught... By the Ruska Roma, to be, uh, and his real name is John Donny. And he was taught uh, various fighting styles as well as ballet uh, to learn how to, you know, not only have uh, incredible strength, because I don't know if you've ever looked at uh, the body of a dancer but they have muscles on muscles on muscles
1: well, They're and they're very lean and they are very graceful. So a lot of athletes will actually take ballet football
0: players, especially Yeah. Uh,
1: uh, sometimes hockey players will To as learn well. how
0: to control your body and maintain balance in weird, weird, uh, positions, uh, you know, not get knocked off your center of gravity, all that type of stuff. So they incorporate that. And we see that in the second film, but I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. Um, As he is, uh, being trained, he ends up joining the Marines, uh, becomes an elite marksman, uh, leaves the Marines and, you know, starts to make a name for himself as a gun for hire, uh, works with the mafia a lot, ends up working with, uh, oh, now I can't think of his name, the, the Russian guy from the, the first movie, uh, look that up real quick, uh, so he, uh, Vigo. Vigo. I don't remember his last name. Uh, but Vigo, Vigo
1: Tarasov.
0: Tarasov, that's right. Uh, so Vigo Tarasov uh, hires him, and in the course of performing all his different duties, he meets a woman named Helen, and falls madly in love with her, and one day approaches uh, Vigo and says, hey, I need to get out. Now, I haven't seen anything that has told me definitively one way or the other that Helen knew what John was. Like, if she knew he was an assassin, if she knew he was, like, this dangerous, you know, spooky, almost supernatural... Mm, uh, Baba Yaga. So Baba Yaga is... uh, We found this out through the pitch meeting. Baba Yaga is uh, an old... They say that means boogeyman, but that's actually babega, uh, because the Baba Yaga is an old woman with drooping pendulous breasts. And as they say in the the pitch meeting, so how droopy, let like let me know how pendulous and droopy the breasts are <laughs> on John Wick. Uh, so it's a slight translation error, whatever. It happens, happens all the time in movies and books. And, you know, that's what happens when you put yourself on a pedestal. So... See, that's a callback. That's you just a callback. you just go
1: from zero to three sixty like that. It's it's crazy.
0: Um so they uh you know John is presented with this impossible task. He is to eliminate all of Tarasov's competitors in one night. In order to do this, uh he enlists the aid of Santino D'Antonio to whom he provides a marker which is a blood oath saying that at some point uh, if he ever has the need for it Santino may call on John to perform a favor for him any favor it doesn't matter what it's bound in blood and that ends up being the 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 driving force of the second film. But John's wife eventually uh, passes away. Uh, we never are really told what happens. Uh, usually, being the spouse of a protagonist in an action series is so. I believe
1: fatal. it's cancer.
0: It yeah, and there's actually a scene of John unplugging her life support or turning it off or telling the doctor to turn it off and allowing her to pass. Uh, but before she did, she um, she gave him uh, a puppy. She had well, a puppy delivered.
1: So she set it up. So this is what happens... Um, Sometimes when someone knows that... Uh, it's kind of like end-of-life preparation, so when... It's like a
0: will. They're so, part of their well, will. Well,
1: kind of, yeah. So they're able to make all of these arrangements. Sometimes people can plan their own funerals. Sometimes, you know, they're they're able to... Do certain things, call on certain people, put certain things in place. Like I read this story on Facebook once that um, before a father passed away, he um, hired a florist to send his daughter daughter flowers on every birthday for the next i forget how many it was like 16 years years or something. or something yeah yeah and it was just you know paid up front and everything and, and so and they took care of that you know every year that was in the system that they you know so it's just it's just something that some people do so do so what she did was she either contacted a shelter or had somebody you know she picked out a puppy and had a puppy delivered to him with a note you know pretty much saying this is this is to help you this is to help with your grieving process give you
0: something to love yes and you know she named it daisy and that was apparently like daisy was something between them like he had a uh, it's either a necklace or a bracelet of daisies like a daisy chain like that mm-hmm. was like their thing so she gets him this adorable little beagle puppy and so he, the day after the funeral, like, they show him. He's very regimented. He's up at 6. You know, he makes coffee. He does this. He does that. You know, he does all this all the stuff that he needs to do. So the uh, he takes the dog because he's like, I don't have any dog food. I didn't know this was coming. So he's like, all right, I have to go out. So he goes and he does a couple of things. We get to see a little bit behind the scenes of uh, who John is. He's able to drive to uh, an airplane hangar and just fly around in his in his car like just zoom around uh, like the security guard lets him in like sees him they don't exchange any words but he goes in and and on his way home he's getting uh, some gas and uh, Alfie Allen uh, who we don't know at this point but like they're just kind of speaking Russian and he's kind of being a dick uh, he asks how much John wants for his car and he's like yeah it's not for sale And then he's like, oh, look at you, dog. Oh, I love dogs. And he's, like, talking to the dog in Russian, saying, like, everything has its price, bitch. And John answers him in Russian, saying, not this bitch. So, in the middle of the night, John is woken up by noises downstairs. And it's Alfie Allen and his friends. Who have come to his house, beat the living shit out of him with a baseball bat, and mm-hmm. kill his dog and steal his car. John buries the dog, cleans up all the blood, throws on a jacket, hops on the bus because the other car that they had, uh, that he had in his garage, was also absolutely destroyed, uh, tires slashed, you know, baseball bat through the windshield, hops on a bus and goes to see his friend Aurelio now we see uh, some cuts back and forth we see Alfie Allen and his friends uh driving to Aurelio's chop shop and obviously this is someone that he knew from you know his time as an uh, as an assassin and he sees the car and knows instantly that it's John Wick's car and he's like he's like where'd you where'd you get this car and he's like I took it and like you know what does it matter get me you know fresh paperwork fresh uh, Vin all that and he's like the guy who owned it did you kill him he's like nah but we fucked up his dog though and he punches uh, Alfie Allen in the face cause Alfie Allen does not understand he is the son of you know uh, we find out uh, Tarasov yes and it's like holy shit like you don't know what you did and it's the greatest thing. And I remember explaining this to my dad when I was trying to get him to watch John Wick. There's a phone call that comes in later uh, at Aurelio's, and it's, it's Vigo. And he says, I heard you uh, struck my son. Yes, sir, I did. You want to tell me why? Well, uh, well sir, he uh, stole John Wick's car and killed his dog. And Vigo just says, oh. And hangs up Mm -hmm. and you're right there. And that was in the trailer. I remember seeing it and it's like, holy shit, this dude must be fucking bad, bad news. Okay. Let's just see exactly what happened. So when he shows up, like, you know, he starts giving his son a little bit of background on what's going on. He's like, it's like he hits him. and He's like, he's smacking him around. And he's like, he's like, it's not what you did that makes me so angry, it's who you did it to. And he's like, who, that fucking nobody? And he's like, that fucking nobody is John Wick. And they're cutting this as, you know, so they have like the two scenes together, John smashing the the floor in his basement with a sledgehammer, and you're like, what the fuck is he doing? Mm -hmm. And Vigo is explaining that he gave John an impossible task and how they refer to him as the boogeyman, but that's not quite right. He's not the boogeyman. He's the guy you send to kill the fucking boogeyman. And then we see uh, the floor is broken up and he pulls this huge black case and it's full of gold coins, a suit and guns. His phone rings and he picks it up and it's Vigo calling him. John doesn't say a fucking word as Vigo's trying to like. You know, hey, this is my dumbass son. I'm really sorry to hear about your wife. Uh, yeah, about what happened. We're t- super sorry. Like, please don't do anything crazy. And John just hangs up. And they ask him, he's like, somebody asked him, he's like, what did he say? And Vigo just goes, enough.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, one of the things I love about this character is that he is a man of few words. In the fourth film, which we are going to be talking about momentarily uh it's almost three hours, and he says three hundred and fifty words that is it
0: so ten words uh an hour basically well, a word a minute.
1: 10 words an hour, 100 words an hour, yeah, 350 I, words.
0: I can't math right now.
1: Maybe I should put you on a pedestal. I
0: know, I should be on a pedestal. I'll <laughs> ride around with, it's a box social. That's actually called a uh, penny farthing, just for anyone who's...
1: Yeah, learn that today. So, yeah. uh...
0: um, so John uh, is hellbent on now killing Alfie Allen, uh, who for some reason I can't think of his name. Victor? Victor? Victor Tarasov? It's uh, Vigo.
1: Let me tell you.
0: Greg, Duke, Mitch. I don't know. He's he's uh he's going after him. And in his pursuit, we get to see some of the Yosef. Yosef, yes.
1: Yosef Tarasov.
0: We get to see all the 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 training that Keanu went through. Uh you have some stats about his uh his, um, like what he did for his, how many, how, the percentage of stunts that he performed himself.
1: Yeah. So in the first film, he did 90% of his own stunts. He trained for four months, eight hours a day. And that training included, uh, hours in a gym, strict diet and stretches, learned choreography. Although he had previous martial arts experience, the directors wanted to create a style fitting for John Wick and had Reeves train in Judo, Japanese Jiu-Jitsu, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and Arnis. He also took tactical gun courses with the L.A. SWAT and Navy SEALs, and he also learned how to stunt draw... He also learned stunt driving skills, including how to drift a car while aiming a gun.
0: Which he used quite a bit. So he ends up... uh, We get to see a little bit of the the, the background of this. So he decides he's going after Yosef. And he is going to take him out. And nothing is going to stop him. John's... uh, This is the lowest kill count uh, of any of the four films. John massacres his way through 77 people. He uh, goes through anyone and everyone. Uh, It's a thing of absolute beauty. Uh, He kills a bunch of people in a variety of ways. And one of the stories about him is how he once killed three men in a bar with a pencil. That gets told several times throughout the franchise. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and you do get to see a little bit of that uh, in a couple of uh in in the third one, yeah, the third one. he uh he is pretty much indestructible as we will see. like he gets injured and he just kind of gets sewn up. and you know he he's in rough shape because we see the opening of the film is also the final scene of the film pretty much um it's him slowly crashing an SUV well, and mean, falling and, out of it like he's dead
1: and even though like he's this vicious militant killing machine you know he also gets his ass kicked too like some of those fight it's scenes realistic. are i was just, just going to say some of those fight scenes are of the most realistic fight scenes you will see sometimes in action films it's almost too clean it's too, you know, I mean, like, the the hero doesn't even get a scratch. Steven Seagal
0: never gets hit. Steven Seagal never gets hit because he's like, oh, no one could possibly ever hit me. But, like, it's with this, like, he's fighting dozens of people. Like, people are shooting at him. He well, gets is, like, stabbed. He yeah, gets well, punched. Exactly. He gets, yeah, kicked. He's,
1: he's, gets At he's, one point,
0: he gets thrown off a fucking balcony in this.
1: Yeah. You know, he's shot numerous times.
0: And there are... I would say at least half a dozen times throughout this movie where he should have died, I mean, but someone either refused to kill him or intervened on his behalf.
1: I feel like to call him resilient is an understatement.
0: There is a line that Vigo says to his son, John is a man of focus, commitment, sheer will, something you know very little about. I once saw him kill three men in a bar with a pencil. With a fucking pencil. Like, it's so good. Like, John is a man of commitment, focus, and will. Once he sets his mind on a task, he's a master uh, tactician. He knows uh, how to fight with a variety of weapons. Is a master of all kinds of different guns, as we see at the beginning of the third one, where he... uh, hides out in like a... Uh, he, people are chasing him, and he's able to... They're in like a an antique weapons store, and he is able to cobble together a working gun from multiple gun parts. Like, he takes them apart, puts them back together with different firing pins, different cylinders, so it'll fire the one bullet that he fucking has.
1: He also has a lot of friends, too, or I should say people people who owe him favors
0: knows. and people um, who Well, I was just
1: thinking like like Lawrence Fishburne's character
0: they become friends because he has nowhere else to go and I think with with that character the Bowery King he um he sees an opportunity where if he can get John Wick to owe him a favor like he's friends with Winston, he's friends with Sharon played by the late uh, Lance Riddick, who actually passed away on March 17th, a week before John Wick 4 came out. And ironically, uh, this was not his last movie. He is to appear in the spinoff that is coming out next year. And that was the last thing he filmed. So, you know, over a year after we lost him, we will be getting to see uh, something that he filmed.
1: And just a side note, how perfect was he as the concierge?
0: Lance Reddick is so good in everything. Like I loved him in Lost. That was like the first time I saw him. But he's also he plays an amazing role in the Forbidden West uh, Horizon games, For- Forbidden West and Zero Dawn as Silence, who is like this weird, creepy dude that like you really don't know what his motivations are, but he's fucking awesome. So John ma- manages to massacre his way through everyone, eventually killing uh, Yosef, whose last words were, it was just a fucking blam. He got shot in the face. He mm-hmm. was just going to say, it's just a fucking dog.
1: But it wasn't. But it wasn't. It was like, so much more than that.
0: He, he says to him at one point, um, hold on, let me...
1: But like, side note, I would absolutely do the same thing. You, you massacre my pet, my, my family member, my furry family member who I love so much. You better watch your back because I am coming for you. Coming for you and everyone you love. He
0: talked about how like the... the, the when Helen died... I lost everything until that dog arrived on my doorstep, a final gift from my wife. In that moment, I received some semblance of hope, an opportunity to grieve unalone, and your son took that from me, stole that from me, killed that from me. People keep asking if I'm back, and I haven't really had an answer. But now, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. So you can either hand over your son, or you can die screaming alongside him. Oh, I mean, so should, we, good. Should, we,
1: should we snap for that dramatic reading? No, no, no. John no. Wick.
0: Like I wasn't trying to be dramatic. Like he did <laughs> whoa, whoa, it way I better. Mean, but,
1: but, but you were. <laughs> and he
0: he was so angry, like because we see John as like calm and collective and just smooth throughout the entire like people are shooting at him and he looks like he's you know checking sports scores you know like but he's that. V-
1: very uh unwavered by a lot of things
0: yeah nothing bothers him nothing flusters him he's just
1: you know he's just out to do a job and get the job done and you know keep himself alive in the process uh but this this is the first time that we really see him have any type of of passion and emotion towards something and you know that he loved that dog for the short time that he had that dog because it not was not even gift.
0: 24 hours yeah,
1: because it was a gift from his dearly departed wife who you know again we touch it's uh it's a theme that follows him Obviously, but what happens in the fourth film is so unbelievably touching. Yes. What he says. And we don't know much about their life together. We don't know too, too much about...
0: Other than that it was painfully short.
1: Yes. But it's one of those... Uh, it's a situation where, you know, he gave up everything to be with her.
0: He did the one thing, and that's kind of, you know, so... he. He ends the first movie by annihilating everyone. He's hurt. He finds a veterinary office to kind of patch himself up. Finds another dog and takes him home.
1: Well, and what is so poetic about that is it was a dog who was set to be euthanized. It was a kill shelter. The dog was supposed to be put down. He saved the dog. Uh, They just happened to be same place, same time.
0: He took him home.
1: And he took him home.
0: Yep. So... That's how the first movie ends. John goes home, he re cements all of it he puts his suit and his and his guns and his coins back. It's the coins they use are for uh, like it's like the currency of the, the, the Assassin Society. Like and it spreads everywhere. Like there's a scene where a bunch of guys come to try to his house to try and kill him, and he murders them all. And he calls a phone number and says, "I need to make a dinner reservation for 12. And like these guys come and like wrap up the bodies in plastic and like clean all the blood. And he gives them twelve gold coins. And uh, before that happens, a police police guy shows up and he's like, "How you doing, John? Evening, Jimmy." And it's like, you know, noise complaint. Noise complaint. You working again, John? Just sorting some things out. All right, I'll leave you to... And he can see, like, all these dead guys, like, Mm -hmm. strewn about the apartment.
1: One of the things that I love about this character and this kind of world that we become immersed in is the fact that we don't know much. We're just kind of dropped into this story we learn a little bit as it pertains to the story to kind of drive the the actual story itself along but really what we know about this character is what's presented to us in the films
0: yeah it was uh it was awesome so the second film starts off with you know john just trying to live a quiet life get his car back he never got his car back and it opens with one of my favorite actors Again, someone that Keanu has worked with in the past, Peter Stramare, who played Satan in uh, Constantine.
1: Which, um...
0: The sequel's coming out.
1: Both of them have signed on yep. to do Constantine too. There isn't a script yet. They haven't cast anybody else. But both of them had said yes. And that's something that keanu reeves has kind of been
0: uh they he's people have asked him in interviews like if you could do a sequel what would you do and he said he would always say constantine
1: yes yeah
0: yeah um so he gets his car back and peter Stramari is telling the story about like he's telling his his guy he's like we killed three guys with a pencil and again the guy's like yeah yeah i know pencil yeah i heard the story And he's like, who does that? Like, Peter Stramar is fucking awesome. He's Vigo Tarasov's brother. uh, And he just is in this opening scene. So he goes and uh, gets his car back, destroys it in the process, (laughs) but gets the car back, and then trying to settle down into a normal life until Santino D'Antonio shows up. And when Santino shows up, uh... John's like, I really don't... He's like, I I got out. I can't... He's like, you already came back. I heard about everything you did. He's like, I'm not really back. Like, I just had to take care of this one thing. And he's like, you owe me a marker, John. And John's like, I can't... I, I don't find somebody else. Just, I don't want to do it. So, the assassins all operate uh, what's called under the table. And the table is... Uh, A 12-member council, and we've only seen a couple of members. We haven't seen everyone, but it's a 12-member council, including an adjudicator and uh, a harbinger, played by Clancy Brown.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. uh, An elder, who we see two different ones. The first one was Saeed Taguchi uh, in John Wick 3. Uh, But every, every family has a member at the table and his Santino D'Antonio's sister has just been elevated and she's going to have a coronation and he wants John to kill his sister. And because John has the marker, he has to do this. So he travels to Italy, takes care of what he has to take care of. And then Santino is like, well, you know, I can't let the murder of my sister go unpunished. So I had to put a $14 million bounty on your head. Because oh no, seven million! It's like I, I can't let that just go. It's like what a fucking piece of shit! It's like you hired me to kill your sister, and then you're like, oh, I have to get revenge on you for doing the thing that I hired you to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the meantime, he's he fights Common, and it's Common's a a great uh, assassin. I forget what his name is in that. It's like Barnes, no, that was his name in Terminator Salvation. I don't remember. But Common is great.
1: Was it Cassian?
0: Cassian. Because Cassian was supposed to be the sister's... uh, Bodyguard. Yeah. Like, that's his ward. And so she ends up killing herself. She slits her wrists in the tub. um, And then John shoots her twice in the head just to make sure. Uh, But she's like, I want to go out my own way. And it's almost like, like she accepts it and it's a very, it's hard to say this about this scene, but like friendly and tender scene. He holds her hand, like...
1: I was say, it was, uh, it's very classy.
0: Yeah, it's a... It's a.
1: It's not what you would expect.
0: It's not an execution. It's an almost and like an she, assisted well, suicide. Well, I mean, you
1: know, she also realizes that you know he's there. She's not going to make it out alive, regardless. So he at least has the re- enough respect for her, and that's the thing too. He has a lot of respect for people, for certain people. Uh, he has enough respect for her to allow her to go out on her own terms. And he's not a monster.
0: No. He's, you know, he's not completely heartless. Because he has no no choice.
1: Right. And she understands that. And she's also trying to make it easy on him as well. Because she knows that he doesn't want to do it.
0: Yeah. So John spends the rest of the time trying to avoid this uh, this bounty and having to go back and kill Santino. And Winston, his friend from the uh, New York Continental, uh, played by Ian McShane, is like, you know, this is what you have to do. There are rules. You know, you have to abide by the rules. But then he talks to Santino. He's like, you do realize what you did. Like, I know you wanted your seat at the high table, but like, John's going to fuck you up. Like, what What were you thinking?
1: Yeah, it's like you just signed your own death sentence. Like, you're, you're done. You're not going to get your seat at the high table because you're not going to make it to the high table.
0: Yeah, it's... So he goes through the whole movie, and in this one, he kills 128 people. And you know he th- we get a little bit more of a peek behind the curtain with this because we get to see you know another continentals we've seen the New York one now we get to see the one in uh in Rome and the first thing they ask John is if he's there to kill the pope um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he you know everybody knows him no matter where he goes everybody knows him oh mr wick mr wick uh and he goes to see a tailor he goes to see uh somebody with a uh, structural knowledge of and like, because this, uh, this countess, this, I forget her name, but she's trying to, the one he's supposed to assassinate, Santino's sister lives in like this old palatial. Gianna. Gianna, this old palatial estate. And it's, you know, uh, not a ruin, but like it's a, it's an ancient structure in Rome that hasn't been updated in a thousand years. Mm. You know, but it's so well built that it's still standing and still functioning as, like, her her base of operations. So he has to, like, figure out the plans. Then uh, had to go and see the sommelier played by the incomparable Peter Serafinowicz. And the Somalier is helping him. Uh, that's the code name for the guy who is the, the armorer, essentially. Mm-hmm. He's like, I need something for dessert, something bold, robust, like and they're talking in wine terms. It's like, I know you fancy the German varietals, but have you tried the Italian? Like, and it's just it's so good. And he's like offering him all these different types of weapons. And, um, you know, he's hiding them at certain points because he's sure he's going to get double crossed because of course he fucking is. And so, like, there's these great action sequences. Um, we get to see a little bit more of a fight between him and he and Cassian, which spills over into the lobby of the Continental. And the guy who runs that Continental is like, hey, just remember, no business can be conducted on Continental grounds. So it's like, if you're there, even if you're just touching the stairs, as we see in... Uh, the third one you are under the protection of the continental like out on the sidewalk you're fucked but if you're touching the stairs if any like it's like base in freeze tag
1: yes so that's actually a really good way of putting it yes
0: <laughs> so he and cassian each go and they get a drink they share a drink together and cassian pays for it and says consider this a professional courtesy and again, they meet up later on. They try to kill each other again. John ends up, uh, he's, a, he's also an expert on um, anatomy and physiology because, you know, as he told uh, the Bowery King, he met John once and John gave him the opportunity. He's like, you can pull this knife out and try to kill me or you can leave it in, go to the hospital and get patched up and you won't die. But if you pull it out, you'll die. He did this, a similar thing to Cassian. Um, so by the end of this movie, he kills everybody. He kills 128 people in this one. So in, he's up to 205.
1: Right. Including Santino.
0: Who is eating dinner in, in the Continental. In the Con- and Winston tries to stop him. And he's like, I have no choice but to declare you excommunicado, which means... And he gives him an hour. Uh, Like all of the um services provided by the Continental and by extension, like the assassin network, you have an hour until you can use them again. So he has to make it to different places and he ends up, he has a bunch of stuff hidden at the New York public library in a book that no one would ever take out. Uh, and that's how the third movie uh, opens is him running through the streets where the second movie ends with him running through the streets, like, and seeing, like, all these people yeah, getting so messages on their cell phones.
1: Films one, two, and three happen, what, within a week of each within other? Within a
0: week of each other. And uh, so now we're in number three, and the first person he kills is uh, former Dallas Maverick and current Houston Rocket, seven foot five, 320 pound Boban Marjanovic, who. Shows up to John and John's like I still have several minutes and he's like Who's gonna know? And he's like You sure you want to do this? And John kills him with a fucking book. Kills him with a book in the library,
1: which I think is more impressive than a pencil.
0: It's just more impressive considering how big Marjanovic is because like they're fighting and like he's grunting and stuff and then Marjanovic is just like Shh, which is so funny. Uh, But he ends up breaking his jaw and then snapping his neck over the spine of the book. But he got stabbed, so now he has to go get stitched up. And he goes to the doctor, and the doctor is like, he's like, I can't help you. He's like, I have five minutes. He's like, all right. So he sews him up until, you know, the clock chimes. And then he tells John where the pain medication is. And he's like, they're never going to believe that I finished right at six. So I need you to shoot me twice. He's like, shoot me right here, but don't hit and Like he shoots him right under the floating rib, like perfect shot. And, and he's like, no, one's not going to do it. Shoot me again, but don't hit my collarbone. And he shoots him through through the the the, the shoulder. Then John kills a bunch of people with horses. Mm-hmm. He weaponizes a horse. And then there's, you can see the Chad Stahelski who directed all four of these. You Can see some of his uh influences throughout these movies. Like the fourth movie is definitely influenced by uh The Warriors, uh, one of the movies that we've talked about many many times on this show. Uh, but this movie, there's a specific motorcycle chase scene that is very much uh influenced by the 1988 anime Akira. So, this the the, the plot of this movie is uh. An adjudicator has come down from the high table and is talking to everyone who helped John Wick, first one being uh, Winston, telling him he has uh, a set amount of time to get his affairs in order, and then he will be replaced as the head of the Continental. They go to the Bowery King saying, like, oh, you gave John Wick a gun with seven bullets. Uh, because each bullet represented $1 million of the bounty. Um, So he used that in his pursuit of Santino D'Antonio. So the two of them each received uh, brutal, brutal retribution. John himself ends up going to the Rusca Roma, where he, his symbolic home, To get his ticket torn. And you don't know exactly what that means, but uh, it's another one of those things that, you know, we slowly get expanded upon. Basically means they have to bring him somewhere, but he is no longer part of the family. Like they owe him one last thing, like because of everything you've done for us, we will get you from point A to point B, but this is the last thing we're turning our back on you. And it involves uh, being branded with a cross, which is super fun. But that was also uh, Angelica Houston, who ran the Ruska Roma, mm. and she was absolutely amazing. Uh, so she ended up getting a sword through her hands because uh, the adjudicator ends up recruiting. He's the guy from Iron Chef. He's a bald guy from Iron Chef, and I don't remember his real name, but he was like the host of Iron Chef. Um, But he's a very talented martial artist. We also see uh, Yayan Ruhian from uh, The Raid in this, so I'm kind of hoping John Wick 5, if it happens, has eco Uways. But I digress. Uh, So he is tasked with killing John Wick. And there's, again, lots of action, lots of assassins. John has to fight his way across. And again, this is, you know, reminiscent of the Warriors as well, where the Warriors have to fight their way across all these places. But the only guy who can kind of help John and, you know, get him back on the, the path uh, is the Elder. And the only way to find the Elder, uh, they, they learn, is to walk until you are almost dead and then walk a little more. And the elder will either choose to find you or your bones will bleach in the desert. So John can't do this on his own. He needs some help. John has a marker on uh, Halle Berry's character because what he did was, uh, he needed to. she needed to have her daughter protected and John put her somewhere safe. And only John knows where she is. And John gives her a marker And so she has to help him and they go and they, they go to the place where the gold coins are minted, uh, which is run by Jerome Flynn, who you might know as Bron from, uh, Game of Thrones. He tells them how to find the, uh, how to find the elder. And then he, in exchange, wants one of Halle Berry's trained dogs. And this is where we also get to see the the uh, Casablanca Continental in this one. He uh, he says, you're either going to give me the dog or I'm going to shoot him. And he shot the dog, and she went nuts. They all killed and fought their way through everything. And she looks at John Wick, and he's like, I get it. Like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> So they have to fight their way through and the dogs are helping fight. And it's, it's really cool how well trained they are and how athletic these dogs are. Um, so he fights his way, gets to the elder. Uh, she gives him some water. So basically she gives the dog some water first, and then she takes as much of the water as she can into her mouth, swishes it around and spits it back into the bottle and hands it to him. Like, here you go, dick. Like, he's probably just ruined my life. So he goes across the desert, he gets brought in front of the elder, and the elder wants something from him. So John chops off his left ring finger and takes the severed finger, pulls his wedding ring off, and hands it to the elder. And the elder says, okay, your excommunicado will be lifted as soon as you go back to New York and kill Winston. So he goes back to New York, fights... uh, the Iron Chef guy on his way once he gets back to New York he gets a brand new suit they cauterize his wound you know they heal him up and everything send him on his way he gets there and he decides you know what I'm not gonna I'm not gonna kill him so the Continental uh, is deconsecrated meaning business can now be conducted on Continental grounds and they send all these fucking guys after him like like just these everybody's got like crazy body armor crazy armor piercing rounds and like these fucking wild helmets because like him and Lance Reddick go to fight and like they're shooting him and like nothing's happening so he like they go back into Winston's safe room he's like need more firepower but of course when Winston says what do you need he says guns lots of guns because that's a Matrix throwback Uh, they managed to stave off all of the high tables uh, assassins as a show of strength to the point where they're like alright let's deal you can keep your hotel you just have to shoot John so he shoots John John falls off the fucking roof gets saved by uh, Jason Mantzoukas who is working for the Bowery King who is all kinds of fucked up because his penance you gave him seven bullets you receive seven cuts and to which Lawrence Fishburne replied, sometimes you got to cut a motherfucker. <laughs> and so the Iron Chef guy sliced him up with his katana. Uh, John eventually kills him because like, that's the big final showdown. Um, but he rescues John and nurses him back to health because they both got betrayed and they both got fucked over. And that's where the fourth movie kicks in. So what do you have? You have some background on how John Wick actually how this whole franchise came to be.
1: So going back to before the original film, the original script was actually known as Scorn. That was going to be the original title. And John Wick was not John Wick quite yet. So the inspiration for the original script came from quote, two terrible revenge movies that the writer had watched. The script story centered around the character John Wick, or the character that became John Wick, a long-retired hitman in his mid-60s to mid-70s, who was forced back into his former life. John Wick was modeled, on actors such as Clint Eastwood and Paul Newman. And when they were initially looking to cast somebody for this role, they actually looked into either like a Clint Eastwood or Harrison Ford. Those were two names that were thrown out. Uh, But then they decided that they maybe didn't want an elderly actor to play john wick but one who quote has a seasoned history in the film world and ultimately they decided to go with keanu reeves reeves actually helped rewrite i believe it took six times the original script for john wick and he has had a lot of say in the character since then including i believe the character's attire pretty much being a man in black so to speak
0: yeah like he's a, a shadow a ghost a figment of your darkest nightmares You're, like he is fucking um, awesome
1: he grew out his facial hair he grew out his hair specifically for this role which has kind of become uh a, a trademark look for him at this point
0: yeah i mean the closest would be like uh that ronin movie that he did um uh, because like Typically, he has in his at least in his action films, you know, Johnny Mnemonic, uh, Man of Tai Chi. He's got uh, the Matrix. He's got short hair, uh, but this is such a, a a different look for him, and I really like the way he he is presented, like the aesthetic that they use for him in these films.
1: So. Can let's talk about the aesthetic of these films and this character for a moment. I love it so much. There's this almost like gothic undertone to everything. Everything's kind of dark. Even when it's light out, it's almost like they use those blue filters to kind of make everything look a little bit gloomy.
0: I mean, most of it takes place, they try to make as much of it take place as night, at night as possible uh, because he's a boogeyman. He comes out at night. Um right. But and the, the scenes that do take place in the day are he typically doesn't kill anybody during the day. Like like the daytime scenes are him going from place to place, you know, like getting his car from Aurelio, uh clean, you know, burying the dog, you know. But at night, night is when the monsters come out, you know like they said in Calvin at nighttime is dark so you can imagine your fears with less distraction. And that's what he does. Like he he is, you know, the thing under your bed, the monster in your closet. You know, especially if you're a bad guy.
1: Right. What terrifies you the most? John Wick. Um so I I love that and I love that about this character. I love that there's a simplicity about this character. While at the same time, you know, this character has such a rich and robust history that we really don't know much about or that we don't see. And that's on purpose. They didn't want you to see who he was before the events. They didn't want you to see his relationship with his wife. They didn't want you to see the impossible tasks that he had to make. At least not... That he the, had to accomplish the, in order to the get first out. Film, right.
0: They, of course, have you know, introduced the obligatory... Uh... You know, graphic novels and you know companion pieces. I'm sure there's a novelization that goes out there that gives you a little bit more, because like you said, he doesn't speak much. But I'm sure, like in the novelizations, it'll give you some of his you know inner monologue and whatnot. Um, there's always uh, you know some extra stuff that you're gonna get from these types of franchises. So, um, I I really like the way he. This character fits his acting style. Keanu is not someone who makes grand speeches. Like, Jonathan Harker in Dracula is one of his most poorly acted roles. And, like, that was a knock on him for a long time. It's like, he's one note. He can't do, like, these action roles. You know, he just... He can't do drama. And, like, he delivers such uh, a compelling performance and it's not just that like there are shots of him like all right we wrapped filming for the night and he's like carrying camera equipment and helping people bring shit up the oh stairs.
1: yeah yeah no 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 we can talk about that for a moment um Keanu Reeves is such a nice guy He's so down to earth. He doesn't live lavishly. He has a modest apartment in New York, I believe. Um, he's not very in your face when it comes to being in the tabloids and you know, w- you know, all over social media and whatnot. Subway. Yeah, he's uh, he's just he's just a really nice guy. He treats everyone the same way. Um, he's so kind. And that makes him extremely likable. Kind of like uh, Pedro Pascal. He's just so extremely likable and you want him to succeed. Now, I think the fact that Keanu had a say in the scripts, at least initially, um, and I believe he did further on for every film, uh, you know, establishing this character, growing this character, he had a lot of say in it. And I think the fact that John Wick is a man of few words um worked in his benefit because it focused more on his actions. His like he's a very talented martial artist. And I don't think he gets enough credit for that. I mean, obviously we saw that in the Matrix films, we saw that in The Man from Tai Chi. Um, I don't think he gets enough credit for what he brings to the table as far as the art form of martial arts go.
0: Yeah, the, the, yeah. He, uh, he trained so much. And for each, each, um, subsequent film, like he had to train in different styles. Like he does the gun foo, but like John Wick Four. He busts out fucking nunchucks. Mm-hmm. Like, in the second one, he or, or third one, he fights with a sword and a belt.
1: And in each film, he's doing at least 89 to 90% of his own stunts.
0: John Wick 3, he only killed 94 people. But... Only. That's 299 people over the course of a week, or 42.7 a day. So he's very busy. Uh, So, yeah, almost 300 people in a week... Now, this isn't a spoiler or anything, but he kills 140, his highest kill count, in John Wick 4. But that makes sense. It's the longest film.
1: There's also a lot to that story, and they could have easily broken that up into two films, but I'm almost glad that it didn't, that they didn't. The original plan the,
0: was to film four and five back-to-back.
1: The, the flo- Well, this may have been four and five.
0: Yeah, 90-minute film turned into a two-hour, 49-minute film. Because most of them are, they're, well, they're all around, they're all over two hours. Like, they have a lot of story. And I've worked on movies that have taken months to film. This had to have taken at least a year because you have not just New York, but all kinds of other, like, the opening scene of John Wick 4, when they're in the desert. That's where they shot Lawrence of Arabia, like in fucking Tunisia. They're also filming in France, uh, and the specific um, subway tunnel that they filmed in is a uh, is used in lots of movies because it is shut down. It's an area that's uh, unused, but it's kept up so it can be rented out to film companies so they can film there without disturbing. Uh, the general flow of commuters, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, there is some unintentional comedy, like the stair scene of sacre Coeur. Um,
1: Yeah, well, I mean, like, it, it, there is some in all of the films, too. And it kind of lightens the mood a little bit because some of these scenes can be really heavy at times. Although the action scenes are very entertaining, very well choreographed. Um, I don't know if we want to get into too, too much spoilery territory no. for the for the fourth one. But one of the things I love is that you see more of his smarts in the fourth one. How quick he is.
0: His ingenuity.
1: Yeah. Um, the way that he's able to conduct himself in specific ways.
0: Yeah. He's... And
1: kind of lead you into thinking one thing when doing something completely different.
0: It shows more of how like worldly he is and how um how much experience he has with this world and with this um with these situations and but again he still al- relies on his allies
1: well exactly you've got to have friends but he's always one step ahead always one step ahead yeah and you see that and Again, it harkens back to how smart he is, how quick he is, and how unbelievably talented he is, and how good at his job he is.
0: He's very similar to um, Wolverine in the way where, you know, one of Wolverine's quotes is, I'm the best at what I do, although what I do isn't very nice. You know, yeah, that's, that's kind like, of who John Wick is. And
1: he is a professional.
0: I will say, though, this really... This one was a little bit more over the top, where it's like, it's like oh, the safest way to travel is to get hit by a car and flung forward 40 feet, or, you know, leap out a fourth-story window and bounce off a fucking parked van. Like, some of it was getting a little bit ridiculous, Like, I was starting to kind of, like, like I'm enjoying this, but, like, this is getting a little cartoony. But, I mean, it's the fourth film in a franchise, so, you know, a lot of them do that, but it's like, how, like, what does it take to kill these? It's not just John Wick. It's not just, like, you know, the Fast and the Furious where, like, physics don't matter and you can drive a car straight up the side of a building or something. This was... Everybody. It's like, wow, this guy got hit by a car six times and shot four times, but he's still punching the shit out of John Wick. Like, I don't I don't I didn't like it at all.
1: They do have this conversation and this this part, it's not really that spoilery. So I'm going to talk about it. They have this conversation between Winston and uh, the Bowery King and John Wick. They're talking discussing what would you want on your tombstone? What would you want your epitaph to read? And uh, they're, they're talking about it. They're thinking about it. And they ask John, what would you want?
0: And he tells them, but we're not going to tell you what it is. You have to see, because it's a, it's a very...
1: Okay, so apparently I'm not going to talk about it. I didn't think it was that spoilery, just talking about it. <sighs> Clearly we should have had a meeting beforehand to talk about because we were like, "Oh, we're going to get into spoiler territory." And now you're I like, "No, I don't remember spoilers. getting I don't remember
0: saying that. I mean, yeah, for the first did. 3 movies, sure, but not for the new one."
1: Anyways, he says something that is the most humanizing thing he has said within the past 4 films.
0: Yeah, it 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 says uh it doesn't say John Wick He's like, I wanted to say Ezekiel twenty-five seventeen, the path of the righteous man. No, wait, that's on Nick Fury's tombstone. Um, yeah, I, I. It's been out for five weeks, but it hasn't really hit home streaming yet. So I don't want to. I don't want to ruin anything, like, because I thought that was a really good scene. And I know. I know you were you were you were. <laughs>
1: Stop, stop trying to make this right by playing footsies with me no, under I, I, the table. I wasn't
0: trying to. Um, no, I, I just... I want people to think about what he would say and see how close they are when he tells them what he would like on his tombstone should things go wrong.
1: What do you want on your tombstone?
0: Pepperoni.
1: Sausage. Those
0: old commercials for, for those of you who are not in your 40s. The old Tombstone pizza commercials. I'm
1: not in my 40s. You're Who's 40? There.
0: You're getting there. You're getting there. Between the two of us, we average 40 almost. No, we average 40. Yeah. Between the two of us. Because you're 37 and change. I'm 42 and change. We average 40. Yeah. So we're averaged Together we're 80. Yeah. So for those of you who don't follow me on Facebook, I, I put up a thing a couple of weeks ago that a lot of people got mad at me about because I said 1981 is as close to today as it is to 1939, 42 years away. Math. In, in seven years, six a little over six and a half years, the 80s will be 50 years ago. <laughs> like that's so weird uh yeah put it this way if bowling for soup did that song 1985 if they were to do that today it would be 2004 that would be the song title 2004 yeah yeah
1: I really don't like you right now. <laughs>
0: I know I have to stop talking about all this stuff that happened in the late uh, 1900s, because that's what happened was the late 1900s. Um, so yeah, this this
1: so franchise is if this is the last installment in the John Wick franchise, not talking about um, the two spinoffs, the, yeah, the spinoffs that are happening that I'm I'm very eager to see. Uh, if this is the final installment. Um, it's 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 a hell of a way to go however keanu reeves has said numerous times that he will play john wick until he is physically unable to play john wick
0: what you have to remember like and he
1: loves this character so much
0: keanu is 58 hero sonata is 62 and donnie Yen is 59 so these aren't, like, super young dudes.
1: And they are all in better shape than I am, they, so...
0: They're in better shape by the end of this movie than I am right now. Like, I'll put it that way. Um, so John has his highest kill total, like I said, of 140 in this, bringing him uh, blah, bringing his grand total up to 439 total kills, which is... Super impressive. Almost as impressive as the amount of fucking henchmen and, like, random assassins that you'll find. Uh, but, yeah, speaking of the continuation of the John Wick franchise, uh, we have Ballerina, which is set between the third and fourth films, which will feature uh, Keanu Reeves, uh, the aforementioned Lance Riddick, this will be his final, his final uh, thing. This comes out next year. Um, uh, uh, Ian McShane as Winston, and also returning Angelica Houston.
1: <gasps> really?
0: Because it's all about it's the ballerina, it's the girl that we see. That's on the stage Mm -hmm. that kept dancing until she told her to stop because she kept fucking up and she kept making her do it over and over and over again. Yes. To be played, from what I have heard, by Anna de Armas. Okay. There is also, uh, I don't know when it comes out, I think it comes out later this year, Uh, The Continental. Uh, So it's kind of the history of The Continental. It's set in the 70s. So young uh, young Winston, young Sharon, and uh, Mel Gibson is in it, uh, presumably as an assassin. Um, but it's the story of how Winston came to be uh, the guy who runs the Continental. So, should be pretty interesting. I don't know if we'll see young John Dany at all, but it definitely will not have uh, John Wick. I I would... I would be very surprised if it had John Wick, but we will see him in the ballerina. I don't know if it's a movie or a series, but I learned today in doing some research, there is a post-credit scene that has a good amount of ambiguity at the end of John Wick 4. So stick around for that. It's very short because the end of this movie is also ambiguous. Because, you know, like they say, Pixar, it didn't happen. If you don't see it, doesn't mean it happened. So, you know, let's... Um, so I think that's what all I've got for, for John Wick. So we're going to take a quick break and we come back. We have a new battle, and I will get the new battle theme ready so I don't have to scramble around for that. Uh, so we'll be right back. Check out the Dorkening Podcast Network.
1: My mom says I'm cool.
0: Available on iTunes, Spotify, thedorkening.com, and wherever fine podcasts can be found.
1: I'm falling for Helen, and there's no telling just how
0: far a fella can fall for a sure footed And And we we are back. That, of course, was, uh, for whatever reason, it. I love that song from uh, Bob's Burgers, and it kind of encapsulates uh, John's feelings about his wife Helen. So, uh,
1: of course, you did. I had to. I did. had to throw
0: that in there. Um, little, 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 uh, little swerve. Like you didn't see that coming. But uh, yeah, those are our thoughts on John Wick. Give you a little bit more of a background if you're, you know, not as. Uh, you know, tied into the lore and the backstory and, you know, not just of the character, but of how the film got made uh, and where the character came from. So hopefully you found this to be a little more uh, educational and and, and informative. Um, so, you know, maybe you want to, you know, go see John Wick 4 if you haven't. Or, you know, maybe if you have, maybe it's time to, to buy the four-pack of films and sit down and re-watch them all. Uh, and enjoy yourself with all this extra knowledge. And, you know, maybe you want to grab yourself like a little clicker and count all the kills that John has. You know, maybe maybe our numbers are off. Uh, if you want to check, uh, feel free. Um, we're not going to validate it. I got these numbers off of Film Comics Explained, so that's what I'm going by. But uh, like I said, we have uh, a new battle. And what happens when we have a new battle?
1: We have to play the battle theme. So today we are throwing down Shantae You Slay, Battle of the Ferocious Fighters. Which skilled combatant has what it takes to best their opponents and be the last one standing? The stipulations, hand-to-hand combat only, TKO. Sandbox is the construct from the Matrix. And special guest referee is...
0: Tai Lung and why? Tai Lung is voiced by Ian McShane. He is the bad guy, the uh, snow leopard from
1: Kung Fu Panda. Uh, so you can choose from here are your fighters: John Wick, Jason Bourne from you know the whole Bourne, Matt Damon, sp- from, not Matt Jeremy Damon, uh, Beatrix Kiddo from Kill Bill.
0: That's called a callback. Or,
1: the Brood. Or, or Ethan Hunt from the Mission Impossible or Mission Not So Impossible series. It's
0: Mission Impossible, not Mission Difficult. Mm, Indeed, that was a terrible Anthony Hopkins.
1: Oh, was that was that who that was supposed (laughs) to be?
0: I do a great uh, Nick Cage. Wow, look at me, like I'm Nick Cage, because like I took his face off and like we switched, and like it's so crazy, like oh my god. Yeah, but we got, like, different blood types. Oh, that's how they find us out. Oh, no, I'm not Sean Archer. I'm Cast Troy. Oh, man. I hope nobody finds out and puts my face off.
1: See, I don't know if you know this, but I do a great Christoph Waltz.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: That's a bingo.
0: Yeah, that is not a bingo. That,
1: that is a... That, tell me that's not Christoph Waltz.
0: That's not Christoph Waltz. See, that was super <laughs> easy. That downstairs. was so easy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um uh, so yeah, obviously the 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 poll mm-hmm. will be up. You'll be able to vote for who you think uh is the best. Obviously, you have to have some familiarity with all these all these characters.
1: Or not. Choose at random. Cause chaos.
0: I mean, you could do that too, but like if you have familiarity, you know, you're able to I actually had someone on uh there's another web uh, another podcast that I follow through through Facebook. And they, uh, it's a it's a very unique idea. What they do is they take different characters and pit them against each other and have people vote uh, on who they think will win. And so, uh, it was two random characters, and I voted for one, and I was like, oh, you know, this one will win, no problem. And I had someone, I don't I don't know exactly what the term was, but it's like, oh, well, you know, you have to understand that with you know, different, different, you know, uh, characters, like they're coming from different genres. Like this one's from a video game and this one's from comics. And, you know, what you have to do is you have to, you know, take into account, like, you know, that their physics are different from the other physics and like what they can do in a game is different from what they can do in comic books. And I was like, yeah, I know. I came up with this same idea eight years ago and then turned it into a podcast seven years ago or six years ago, however the fuck long it's been, and I've done 300 episodes. I understand that you have to take each character's feats in their own respective media and use that as your baseline to compare the two of them. You know, I'm aware of how that works.
1: Or you can just choose violence and... Choose whoever the hell you want.
0: Right, I think this one would beat this one because of the powers and skills that they have that I've seen them exhibit. I don't care that the physics are going to be different. You know, that's like the people like ah, you know, you know, if you ask me, Diet Pep, you know, Muhammad Ali in his prime is definitely better than anti-lock brakes. You know, like that's a real battle. You know, Johnny Mathis versus Diet Pepsi.
1: Hold on, spoiler alert. <laughs> Coming next week on Throwdown Thursday.
0: So I think next week what are we gonna talk about next week? We've got a lot of stuff going on. I know we were supposed to talk about John Wick last week, but I ended up like on a short film with a crazy ass schedule. I was like, oh, we're filming for two days, but it technically spanned three days and like the hours were like way longer than I originally expected. But we got the movie done and it's gonna be fucking awesome. So you know just didn't have a chance to put out the episode last week. Um so I don't know, we'll we'll come up with something and we'll uh unless you're looking at me like you know something.
1: I know nothing, Jon Snow. All right,
0: I'm just making sure cuz I I didn't uh, we skipped rehearsal. Neither one of us attended.
1: I thought a pedestal was a bike. Yes. So, I mean, I I clearly know nothing.
0: You're 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 taking nothing. it from zero to 360. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so, we're going to uh We're going to put this episode to bed because we still need to eat dinner and (laughs) it's after 11.
1: Myself to bed.
0: Yes. And uh,
1: on that note, we we will will see you next next Thursday. Thursday.